Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download at audiblepodcast.com slash sorgatronmedia. Over 75,000 titles to choose from for your iPod, iPhone, or MP3 player. I'm getting awesome. You're getting awesome. We're getting awesome. Yeah, that's what I said now. What's up, guys? Welcome to the awesome cast number 11. We're switching things up a different time a little bit later so we can make this connection our first international podcast I think we've conducted here at Sorgatron Media. Uh, but, uh, of course, I am your host, uh, Sorgatron Mike Sorg, and, uh, and with me, as always, is my compatriot, uh, Rob De La Creta. How you doing today? Tonight? Uh, t- t- tonight. This evening. Uh, it's a fine I, evening. Yeah, it it is a fine evening. It's kind of nice. I wish it would rain. But today, for me, well, tonight, for me, rather, uh, chimichanga and margaritas for dinner. Feeling pretty good. <laughs> Ooh, good call. I, I love stuff like that. I haven't had Mexican food in a long time. So, <laughs> And that other voice right there, Tim Kirby, who comes from us from right in Moscow, Russia, correct? Yeah, that is correct. And I am eight hours into the future, like in a sci-fi movie. So for me, it's a good morning. As you can see, the dawn just sort of broke here. So, uh, yeah. And uh, thank you guys for having me on. Uh, I look uh, forward to having a little discussion about uh, techno talk here. And, uh, you know, especially from the uh, Russian perspective, I hope I can uh, bring something interesting to the uh, podcast. Here. Awesome, awesome. And of course, mm-hmm. I do want to put this in perspective. It is uh, ten, we moved, moved it to 10 p.m. Eastern time here. In Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and of course, it is uh, 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 6 a.m. there, correct? Yeah, it is 6 a.m., yeah. The, the one thing is a lot of people have trouble with time zones, especially if you're someone who was, like, kind of born in the same place, lived there your whole life. It does take a long time to get adjusted, but the interesting thing about Moscow to, like, the American East Coast is that it's, like, one work shift in the future. So, like, <laughs> when I leave work, you're going to work. Well, basically is, is how that works i actually uh, uh strangely i actually do do work uh video wise uh for uh some slovakian and serbian clients so which is probably I, i'd imagine a time zone away from where you are i'm, I'm not sure yeah, i think i think they might be like two 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 time zones because mm-hmm. like they're probably plus one because most europe want, of europe wants to be plus one and we're plus three over here so they're either that plus one or a couple countries are plus two so Excellent. But yeah, the EU time zone of plus one is like massive because they all want to be in the same one, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so that, that, that can happen. Excellent. So. I, I look forward to getting kind of a, a other around the world perspective of what we're talking about here. And a lot of, a lot of big news, a lot of stuff about the internet and pretty much the, the, the fate of the internet as far as it goes, at least here in America and, and what they want to do with it. Uh, the first big story, uh, broke last week. The original story was Google and Verizon in secret talks about the future of net neutrality uh, between those two companies. Uh, the, the story bre- breaking out of there was that uh, I believe there was a, a, uh, a, a arrangement between them uh, to provide better access for video across our wireless networks, but that's been turned around. Rob, have you been following this? Uh, yeah, they uh, actually, it was, the whole thing was behind closed doors for the most part, and it was very... Uh, cloak and dagger type agreement type thing. So a lot of people were, were throwing all sorts of ideas out there saying that Google was uh, planning, plotting the end of the internet with Verizon, but they actually released uh, the documents yesterday uh, confirming their intentions. Uh, and there's, 
The document can read in a lot of ways, and then the important thing to consider about this document is that they this isn't any kind of legislation, this isn't anything pushed into law, this isn't, this is a potential for an agreement between two companies. It uh, hasn't been hashed out entirely yet, it's more just them having an open discussion about uh, the future of their agreements in regards to how they manage data, so how uh, Verizon will be sending Google's data through the pipes, uh, and what will be... Um, what gets a higher priority than other things? So it includes things like, uh, quote-unquote, there should be a new enforceable prohibition against discriminatory practices. Um, for the first time, wireline broadband providers would not be able to discriminate against or prioritize lawful Internet content applications or services in a way that causes harm to users or, or competition. So you read that and you think, okay, yeah, that's cool, sounds good. But it also includes little nuggets... Um, that basically give, because this is a, a this would be a private agreement, it would give Verizon the ability to um, put data that they feel is necessary, uh, is necessarily like like high end broadband, so uh, possibly gaming, mm -hmm. possibly high end video stuff. Put it on a secondary pipe that you might be paying more for, which is where we head into that uh, that tiered anti neutral system that people are worried about. Now, uh, there was another story uh, uh, that related to this uh, that we have linked in uh, delicious.com slash awesomecast, of course, uh, that, that kind of breaks down what this might mean for gamers. Of course, we're talking about kind of a privatized Internet uh, for you people. Try to break this down because, honestly, I'm just turning the corner on figuring out what new net neutrality is. Okay, <laughs> I, I, I've heard explains. I kind of had an idea, you know, uh, but this is the first time where I kind of actually got it. Okay. Well, yeah, I, I, it seems to be like that's one thing I think um, maybe to, to break it down for, for the audience mm -hmm. uh, or at least maybe for even for me so I understand exactly what we're talking about <laughs> here. Um, what I understand, net neutrality is a movement to stop uh, companies from uh, basically um, changing the charges for Internet service between mm -hmm. different users based on what they do. Is, is, is that correct? Kind of, kind of like that. We're talking about, like, the big, the best breakdown I saw, somebody did an infographic, uh, a while back that kind of associated, uh, what if I paid for my internet like I pay for my cable service? You know, like you have a tier that's like all the basic channels. You get the one that says, oh, and then you have the, like the, the HBO. Sports, yeah, sports channel and HBO. Like maybe you pay this much for your internet. You get all kind of the basic, you, you have good access to Google, mm -hmm. Yahoo, and everything like that. You pop it up. Maybe, uh, you have, uh, more premium service to to the YouTubes and the Hulus and the and the Netflix and and on and on, uh, which really is going to break it down and make people uh, want to pay more. Especially uh, the biggest concern is people like us that are trying to deliver content or want you to be able to receive content like this. We're not CNET. We're not somebody big. We're not Comcast. So this could be a giant roadblock for content providers. At least that's the angle from everything that I've read and followed uh, that I'm concerned with. You know, as yeah. as as well, a user and producer, I, I can def definitely see that. I mean, if they're going to charge people an extra ten to fifteen dollars a month to access things like YouTube, that will definitely decrease hits for every independent media source. Mm -hmm. And maybe deep down, that could be part of the goal too, because old media is really getting sick of shows like yours. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing to consider in this is that um, there was a time when television was a was a, a neutral environment where anybody could get a pair of bunny ears, stick it on their TV, and you would get the same broadcast that everybody mm -hmm. else would get, mm -hmm. and there yeah. were no walls involved whatsoever. Um, and now it's evolved into the system, mostly because 
um, of of how the how the money has been passed around between the networks, how they decided to get their money through advertisements and sponsorships. Uh, so in order to keep net neutrality, which is obviously a very important thing, um, I'm, I'm sure all three of us will, will preach the values of the free flow of information and the good things it does for humanity in general. Um, but it it's really important to consider all the different methods of managing uh, how things are going to be paid for, because as much as I want everything to be free and available, I also can understand Verizon's standpoint saying, hey, you know, yeah, like, we can serve up websites and that costs us this much, but we can also serve up HD video, 4K video, and that costs us a heck of a lot more, and we're putting it through the exact same pipes. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. and, and really, when you put it that way, it's saying you want a loaf of bread and a, a basket of apples for the exact same price, and that's just not the way it works. But uh, I think it's just a matter of exploring different monetary options so everybody can be happy in the end. It, it might end up uh, being that we have um, more ads, different kind of sponsorships, different things like what Google is looking into as far as uh, the, uh, the click monitoring, the mouse monitoring we were talking to last week where they're trying to learn as much about the user as possible so they can squeeze out those extra ad dollars and and figure out where the money is coming from. Mm -hmm. uh, but, uh, yeah, uh, net neutrality is so in insanely complicated. But like I said, this is not any kind of formal document. This is just them saying, what if? Hey, maybe this will be a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, interesting in reading, that, especially the gaming article, uh, I, I, you know, we've talked about here on the show before on live, which I don't know if this has come over to you, Tim, uh, over <laughs> on your side of the world. Because uh, I think it's largely an American American service. Yeah, that there's together. on live is not a okay. factor in Russia yet. It's hardly is here. Um, but apparently, the way their stuff works, uh, as as I heard it explained at one at a uh, I think it was an MIT uh, uh, presentation on the technology. Uh, basically, they've kind of cut deals for the initial. Uh, I forget how they explained it. It was like the initial top percent of the bandwidth or uh, uh, the ports. Uh, uh, with large ISPs, you know, the Comcast and the Verizons, and they have centralized servers. Uh, for those who don't know about online, basically, it is supposed to be a way for you to uh, run your video games on either very minimal hardware, as in like a box this big, it looks like, that hooks up to your TV, or basically any PC or Mac doesn't need a high-end graphics card, because what they do is they process it in the cloud on their own servers, like, or a PS2 over here in this building, you know, you can kind of think of it like Arkham Asylum, uh, Prince of Persia kind of stuff is on there. And basically all they do is take your button presses on your computer, send that over the internet, it reacts, sends you a video feedback is the way you can think of it. Uh, which, you know, of course that kind of latency is could be a problem if you have a delay in a fast game like Unreal Tournament. So uh, it, it sounds like they've made deals already that sound like, net, you know, anti-net neutrality. Uh, for this kind of service, um, which I think was an interesting, uh, you know, and then now this, of course, that's a smaller company. Now we have these big companies kind of getting into the fray. So, yeah, um, it's really easy to just walk into the situation as as an old media company or uh, a company based on old revenue models and say, well, obviously we should charge more for this and we should segregate it from everything else without considering the long time, the long term ramifications of putting up walls in what has been a completely free and open playing field, which has led to such incredible exponential 
uh, revolutionary technological developments. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, is it, you know, has, are we just to the point where it's matured enough and, and, and we're, we're creeping out of the wild, wild west or, or is, is, should we still be defending the wild west of the internet as, as we kind of grew up with it on, uh, over, over the past 15 years or longer in some cases? As well, much I as I would you, like to now say, you guys we have to agree defending. that the internet as it is now is very different from five years ago, is different from 10 years ago, is different from 15 years ago, and not just because of the bandwidth. I mean, the game has changed. I remember even like maybe five or eight years ago, if you were any sort of designer or whatever, like your goal was to make your own website. Mm -hmm. And now uh, one very uh, famous um, uh, designer in Russia who owns like this big design firm, Lebedev is his last name, right? Uh, He wrote this kind of famous blog article. He was like that those days are dead. You know, you don't really need to have your own website because there's so many things like YouTube and live journal where you could really uh, show everything you've got and you don't have to pay anything for it. Mm -hmm. Just like just like the spirit of the internet does change so that's that's one thing is is like uh things do change but i don't think this this um uh sort of anti-neutrality is really the the best way for things to go because the internet will then just become like tv and uh, i don't know how you guys feel but abc nbc cbs fox they suck (laughs) (laughs) so we're more worried about what like our content may exclusively come via channel of Google, Yahoo, uh, Microsoft at that point. Yeah, uh, and then everything is going to become uh, so sterile, and it'll be even worse because, like, uh, on network TV, you know, I I don't know, like, they sort of plan it in advance to be boring, but Mm -hmm. with the Internet, uh, since it's always there, the censorship is just going to tweak and look for things, and even if someone says something maybe slightly racist in some sort of subcontext, they'll bleep that, too, after people complain about it enough. And I think uh, if you would allow this, this, that sort of uh, extreme censorship on the Internet, um, everyone gets offended by something and everyone's going to call in. And I just think that it's going to be like TV with the bleep box permanently turned on. Beep. Or you better, know, fel- better, better, better a real filtering, possibility. Better filtering for the bleeps. Rob, did you have something to say there? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I kind of took that off on a tangent. I'm sorry, I, I do that from time to time. <laughs> but, um, but, but yeah, but like, just I don't know. The it, it's scary. It's really scary because I think the internet overall is a really great thing, and uh, uh, it, it, it's very pivotal for people like us who sort of do our own projects and and do things on the internet to to have that freedom. And I think that that's kind of fair. You know, you've got your network TV, and you've got your businesses and, and your government. And they're kind of saying that one side, and the internet really gives you a lot of freedom to sort of do whatever the hell you want, and uh, to almost, and um, that's that. That'll be very crushing if that goes away, you know. And uh, yeah, we'll all have to get ham radios and stuff. I know some guy who uh, he's older, right? So he doesn't trust the internet. So he sets up this like shortwave radio in his house, and you need like your own antenna to do it, and like fifty million miles of cable. In order to basically do a show like this that maybe 10 people within a 30-mile radius can hear, you know, we don't want to go back to that. I've, I've long considered tossing an antenna on top of the, ho- on top of the house, uh, you know, maybe we could catch the, capture the south side of Pittsburgh. I am on top of the hill. Oh, yeah, let's do some shortwave radio. Oh, we could yeah. we could broadcast this to at least three truckers. Oh, yeah, passing yep. by on to, uh, going until they hit the tunnel, and then it's all over. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of things, kind of going along with this, uh, you had a story you brought to the table here, Tim. 
uh, yeah. about uh, Skype, which we use for this show. This is what you know how we're doing this, how we're talking to you in Russia. Uh, mm-hmm. But it's becoming an issue over in Russia. What's going on there? Yeah, uh, the basic thing is, uh, you guys can uh, check out the uh, link that I provided. Uh, it's to the uh, very infamous Pravda uh, website. Well, now it's a website. It used to be a newspaper in the Soviet Union. Um, and basically what hap- what's going on is a lot of the uh, Russian telephone companies are kind of pissed. Like uh, the Russian uh, auto industry has a lot of tariffs and other uh, things. Like uh, most, almost all imported cars uh, are pretty jacked up in price. Things like the iPhone um have a heavy tariff on them to make them more expensive so that you know so that way uh, russian products can compete more mm-hmm. and uh their the russian um cell phone companies really feel like hey we know there's these tariffs on cars and iPhones and clothing and all this why aren't there tariffs on things like Skype cuz Skype makes a ton of money in Russia and uh they're kind of angry they want their cut and also the government wants its cut too because they're making millions of dollars in Russia and paying zero taxes for it. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's the main issue. And uh, it's kind of scary because, like, uh, Skype is about the only way I can talk to my mother. She lives in a place where there is no Internet in the United States, really. There's dial-up at best. So uh, without Skype, uh, it's going to be really hard to talk to my parents, um, for one thing. And it'll also be really rough for businesses because it is great for business, uh, especially in Europe. Mm-hmm. Um, I've noticed, every, like, every business uses it. So that's that's the main thing is uh, whether uh, is the question is for you guys maybe you can give your opinions uh, does a company uh, like Skype that sort of doesn't have any base which is sort of in the ether do they have the right to work and uh, earn millions and millions of dollars in a com- in a country and pay zero taxes you know uh, this uh, the closest uh, uh, I, I think I can relate this to is we're having a similar uh, discussion here that's been kind of ongoing. Uh, about the uh, internet sales tax and how that applies. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I was just thinking this relates exactly to the issues that happened with uh, Amazon over the last year or so. Yeah, because I, I know, uh, it, well, you know, it, it, well, well, the deal with that was Amazon, uh, certain certain states started uh, changing their rules on sales tax, and then Amazon would just pull out of those states as far mm-hmm. as uh, their, oh, really? their, their factories, I think. Um, wow. So well, I they mean, would... Um... They, you could be a, a a sales affiliate, so you could run an online store through oh, Amazon. Right. And once that state introduced a tax and mandated it, they would say anybody who had a store on Amazon, they would shut down that store and say, "Sorry, your state doesn't want you to make any money from us." Oh, yeah. Well, that's one way to retaliate. <laughs> it or works not. pretty well. They they got a few things overturned as a result of it. Oh, interesting. Um, oh, the one thing I also wanted to, to mention about the, the the Skype problem in Russia is 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 well, one thing is like with with tariffs on cars, there are Russian cars and there are foreign cars, right? And uh, even with like uh, tariffs on computers, Macs are expensive because they're imported, but there actually are Russian computers, right? There's no Russian Skype. There's no program here where I can go put money on a system and call a land-based telephone very affordably in any country in the world. And that's one of the reasons I'm sort of against this law because it's not really defending Russian businesses in any way because they're not offering anything. So it's more of a money grab, it feels like, by the government. Yeah, I would say say that like maybe these these other telephone companies are big whiners, but you know, the government, it it wants to get its tax money. I I would say that it's kind of fair that uh, Skype should pay some taxes but since they're really not 
using much. Like one of the reasons taxes exist is because businesses use a lot of resources mm-hmm. in a country, mm-hmm. but Skype really isn't using too much of the resources. So I think the tax should be pretty nominal. I don't know. Like you take their sort of, uh, I don't know, net profits and maybe drop like three to 5% and mm-hmm. give it to the government. And if it is really like the, uh, this article doesn't say the exact figure, but some people say it's like you're getting into the 20, $30 million. So out of that 30 million, they, or out of 20 million, they lose a million of the government and just keep things the way they are. You know, something like that, I think would be uh, equitable, but I think Skype probably disagrees. Yeah, the only the only thing I'm aware of we have here is I know uh, well we pay for uh, uh, here at, doing the podcasting we pay for the uh, the the Skype out calling uh, you know here in the mm-hmm. international and I know I get an international transaction fee or some of some sort uh, because yeah. it is like a, a scan, some sort of Scandinavian based company. Uh, yeah. so it's not even local to us here. So, uh, but I don't know if that, that might just be my credit card company tacking on a fee for the process overseas. So, uh, yeah. so uh, from when, when I call from here, mm-hmm. uh, there's no extra fees at all, like, uh, in included, but then again, I always call on the computer and yeah, it could be your cell phone company just trying to be jerks and rack up the bill mm-hmm. for, mm-hmm. for that. Yeah, definitely. So. Um, and, and it could be as far as you mentioned resources. I think that I don't know how progressive uh, uh, the talks are within your government about uh, the internet as a resource as it has been here. Uh, you know, I mean, it's even to the point where they're talking maybe the internet uh, is a utility as ubiquitous as like electricity is. You know, and it should get a helping hand to be reached out to everybody in, in uh, you know in the lesser areas that don't have that access. So mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Maybe they're considering that as in it's taking up that resource or, or that that amount of the uh, of the pipe, you know, as we were talking with uh, net neutrality, uh, that they would want to do that. Or maybe you know, uh, give a chance for somebody local to step up and become the next Skype of Russia, you know. Well, yeah, see, because I understand that that side of of the argument. And in fact, um, those two websites I just sent you, which were uh, Russia's Google and Russia's Yahoo. Mm-hmm. Uh, which you could uh, show the viewers. In fact, recently, uh, my wife, who's a market researcher, actually showed that um, they're starting to lose a lot of um, their traffic to things like Google, which is now pretty well translated into Russian. So, in a way, like it is, it, 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 a lot of these Russian websites do take a lot of heavy competition from uh, from the West, right? <clears throat> but. Uh, but but the thing is, like I said, with with with, with Skype and, and things like that, no one has even put anything on the table yet, and I don't think that changing this law will will make them offer offer up anything. I I, I think they're, I think they're just sort of happy with their cell phone world, sort of the the way it is now. Um, but in terms of like the bandwidth and stuff, that's really hard to say how much it eats up. But like, um. I think maybe out east in Russia, where there's less bandwidth, maybe actually it kind of is a problem if a lot of people are talking over it. But I think YouTube hogs more bandwidth than Skype does. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it does. Uh, I can't find the numbers right now, but I did uh, do an analysis of of Skype's actual bandwidth usage, and it's yeah. it's really small compared to like streaming HD video or anything like that. It is really oh nothing yeah. To yeah, and especially if you're doing Skype without the video, because uh, one nice thing about Skype, I'm sure you guys have noticed, is if something's go- goofy happening with your internet and it like is stalling out, somehow Skype still works. Mm-hmm. Like it could stall to a trickle less than dial up, and yet somehow Skype still works. At it's least magical. The, at least like for the that. audio, for the most so, part. Yeah. yeah. 
I, I, I don't know. Um, however, one thing, the spirit of the Internet is maybe a little bit better in Russia. It seems like uh, politicians seem to be uh, more inclined to understand it. Mm-hmm. Like you don't have the like there's no classic uh, that speech about this. There's the Internet is a series of tubes. <laughs> if you remember that crazy speech from a while ago or how George Bush calls it the Internets and stuff like that. Um, actually, President Medvedev like uses uh, Facebook. He has his own blog, which he updates uh, from time to time. Or I should say, you know, he gives, record, you know, talks on camera and someone else probably posts it up because he's the president. He doesn't have time to waste on that stuff. But, you know, him and uh, uh, Putin are, are very uh, pro-internet, and uh, Putin has his own website where he puts up funny photos where people make fun of him, uh, which is kind of nice. And, uh, yeah, so I, I think that uh, it, people are more technologically inclined in the older generation in, in Russia, like the 45th year old generation, than I think they are in the United States, actually, ironically. What's your uh, broadband penetration like over there? Oh, good, good question. Um <clears throat> Well, according to what's this site, uh, Internet World Stats, they say the uh, Internet penetration is 42.8% in Russia as of June. Uh, And for a country that's very, very massive and has a very, very sort of sparse and not densely densely popular, dense population, sorry, can't speak my own language today, Um, I think that's actually pretty good. Um, There was uh, another website called Global Voices, and uh, they showed a, a chart where basically uh, the, the more you get closer to like places like uh, Moscow, um, the more that Internet per month is like 20-some bucks a month for unlimited and pretty fast. Like I pay uh, about $20 a month for this Internet. As you can see, we're doing Skype video, YouTube, the whole, the whole nine yards. And that, that's real cheap. However, when you get out to the east, like the part of Russia by China, you're talking about like $70 a month for the same exact thing. You see? And it's not purely, purely logical about everything. Like, I have a chart here. Like, uh, even this one city, Kazan, which is kind of east, uh, getting towards Siberia, their internet for what I have now is $14 a month, it says. And uh, Kazan and, like, this other uh, Izhevsk is also, like, $12, $14 a month. And those aren't really that big of cities, you know. Um, and they had a list here for I've got a buddy from Norilsk, which is the city that's actually on the northern Arctic Ocean, which is, you know, crazy. Uh, it was a city that used to be forbidden to anyone without a special permit in the Soviet Union. In fact, I still don't think I can go there as a foreigner because it's a closed city, right? And they pay... 180 bucks a month for this internet. Yikes. So big differences. I think we have sort of a similar situation here. Uh, maybe not uh, so regionally as as you do. Uh, so straightforward. I mean, we're talking like, you know, back where my parents live, you know, live like, you know, halfway to Erie, which ha- probably has as good internet as we do here in Pittsburgh. Uh, and, and, you know, we're looking at either really crappy DSL because he's on the outer edge of a town, my, my father, uh, or satellite where you're, you're, you're dropping like, you know, 70 to a hundred dollars a month, you know, if you didn't drop like $600 on the equipment to begin with. So, well, yeah, exactly. That's like where my parents live. Uh, they have <clears throat> the only options are dial up or satellite and that satellite mm-hmm. is very expensive. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So, uh, well, two more real quick stories, uh, then we'll get to our ad, and, and th- we definitely want to get to talking about your podcast here. Um, 
CEOs are people too, you know, guys. <laughs> HP and they're CEO. dropping like flies. And they're dropping like flies. Uh, if this was a bad week to be somebody important in the tech industry, uh, the first thing was the CEO of HP uh, was uh, handed in his resignation, if I've got that right, uh, Rob. Uh, yeah. Because of an alleged sec- uh, uh, sexual affair. That may yeah. Have been uh, the whole story is kind of. Um... Kind of shady. It it doesn't make any sense. The pieces don't really fall together. The 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 short end of it is this guy Mark Hurd, who is the most uh, successful CEO that HP has ever seen. He's been there since uh, a former. He's been his former CEO since two thousand six, mm-hmm. and he's done absolutely amazing things to their stock numbers. They have never seen numbers this high before, and they've been absolutely successful under his leadership so what happens is there's uh there was a contractor that uh worked for hp i forget what her name is it's not really important but uh she was uh <laughs> you know, she was no, a contractor you know, I, I, you know i i i think it is important because as uh, it was brought up on a few of the podcasts i listened to th- she was an actress yes and she's an actress to- uh, she is on imdb uh, she was on uh, an episode of Silk Stockings, and yes, yeah, she like, was on Silk Stockings. And it looks like if you tune into Showtime after 11 p.m., you just might catch her. Uh, Jody Fisher, like some sort of like softcore porn, because it sounds like it. Uh, it was. It was a show on on USA <laughs> Network like 10, 15 years ago that was very kind of sexual. I think it was a precursor uh, to something sexual like sexual on the USA Network. I bet uh, that is hot well you know back before you know that was the thing to do back when up all night was around if uh, yes. you remember that uh before i think this is around the time of la femme nikita which i know yes fan yes i was femme just nikita. thinking that wow <laughs> that's that's one of those weird things where that was like one of my mother's top 10 favorite tv shows of her life she loved that show and she doesn't even she doesn't like you know like to stay up that late. But she would if the, you know when the reruns came on at like twelve thirty or one in the morning, she'd be like, oh my god, I gotta watch that. That was like one of those weird things. It was good stuff. I went back and tried to watch the movie. Had a problem with that. Anyways, <laughs> well, anyways, um, yeah. So she was a uh, marketing contractor. Her name is Jody Fisher. If you want to look her up, uh, mm-hmm. that's that's Fisher like the fish and Jody J O D I E. Um, so there was an alleged sexual relationship between um jody fisher and mark hurd so word gets around potentially she had an attorney or somebody talk to hp and say hey i've got this thing that happened and uh or she told mark hurd and said hey we did this thing and you need to do something very severe or i'm going to tell everybody so anyway he basically lets himself go over the, these allegations of a uh, of a, a sexual involvement with a contractor, and then it comes out uh, that there was no actual sexual there was no relationship between him and this Jody Fisher. Jody Fisher came out after he had resigned and said, uh, "I had no intention for him to lose his position as CEO, and nothing really happened between us. It was very friendly, but nothing more." Um, and uh, he, Mr. Hurd, uh, seems to have resigned over um, above the the uh, code of conduct. He believes there are ethical violations that he didn't meet uh, for uh, Hewlett Packard. Hewlett Packard actually has a pretty tight pact uh, set forth by Mr. Hewlett and Mr. Packard as to the uh, the HP ideals. And if you don't fit their ideals, you don't fit in. But yeah, a lot of, uh... he was. 
lot of company the HP ideals. Oh, yeah. that's so ridiculous. <laughs> that's but, so dumb. It does. It doesn't matter who the guy sleeps with. I mean, like the one thing is, uh, like, d did he sleep with someone who? Uh, the question is, she says she did. She didn't. What doesn't matter? He right. slept with someone over eighteen. He slept with someone who wanted to be slept with, and he slept with a someone and not a something. That's all that's that matters, true. man. Yeah, and I, and I think that uh, people get way too caught up in these sex scandals, and it's so irrelevant. If you ran the company well, you know that's what's important. And uh, the other thing about HP's little like, if they have moral policies, then um, you know why isn't one moral policy to make everything in the United States and pay people, uh, you know, to to make the computers and, and printers in a country where there's good labor laws instead of like Shanghai, where you know you can treat your employees as subhuman. You know, I, I think that that's mm -hmm. far more immoral than one guy sleeping with someone he works with. Yeah. Well, that's, that's one of the pieces where this whole thing just doesn't make any sense. Basically, he was resigned as in pushed out by the board. Um, and this whole deal is going to cost HP something to the tune of $20 billion in losses. That's including... Really? What? I, I heard that it, would, it would cost him $12 million for letting him go as far as stocks and his... That, full yeah, debt that's only separate. accounting the $12.2 million cash payment that he gets for promising not to disparage the company or induce others to do so. That doesn't include the massive stock hit that the company took. Oh, $20 million awesome. is the cost to stock. That he can like, get the $12 million bribe to not talk about his sex life? <laughs> that he, me like that i will never ever mention my dick to anyone ever again. <laughs> that, that, wait wait to, 12 million to now, mention his please. sex life uh, that apparently which, didn't which, happen which, yeah that apparently didn't happen <laughs> like this didn't happen he's he he resigned quote unquote was pushed out by the board over what is believed to be like breaking of the brotherhood of hp or whatever for somebody <laughs> yeah. who has made hp an incredibly successful company over the course of five years like the, this doesn't is the kgb involved is there something you want to tell us here i mean uh, i i don't know it just, uh, it just doesn't make any sense there's a lot of conspiracy theories but none of them make any sense in a lot of ways in the united states that just jumps on this stuff man mm -hmm. and they and they and they draw it out like like the whole thing, especially like the, back, back to the Tiger Woods thing, it doesn't matter because he didn't commit any crimes. Yeah. 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 Zoo, zoo, he did do something, sh some stuff that's shady. He may have spread sexual diseases to many people, <laughs> but all that stuff is not a crime. Don't break the guy's sponsorships. Just let him go. Let him go. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, the thing with Tiger Woods was that he's, he's supposed to be a role model for children in the same sense that when Ben Roethlisberger did whatever he did, the big deal was as a sports figure, you are the role model for children. And that's oh, where you take but, your biggest hit. But they didn't blow the, it completely. The, but the thing is, we have to kind of grow up as a nation and understand that I am absolutely positive from the bottom of my heart. That Ben Roethlisberger and Tiger Woods and let's see another uh, athlete that's I don't know squeaky clean if you can think of one I, I can't offhand they've all <laughs> masturbated they've all had sex in probably an abnormal way like they don't like do that like Hasidic like hole in the sheet sex only to make a baby kind of thing so like we just have to grow up and accept that that they're adult men and they're gonna do you know and also they're rich they're rich and they're powerful it, the, the temptation is too great and they're only human but. I don't think the uh, right wing is ever going to be able to accept that reality, so, yeah, which is a shame. I, 
I think what it's going to come down to uh, with Mark Hurd when this finally gets out, because it will get out, because there are things like WikiLeaks to let these things out, um, yeah. is that the the sexual relationship has absolutely nothing to do with it, and there's something something different at play. Whether he didn't get along with somebody there, there there uh -huh. were chairmen that he he had arguments with or something, and he was on his way out anyway. I have a feeling that this relationship with Jody Fisher has very little to do with him leaving the company. And something to kind of go along with that. I think my mic moved. That was weird. Um, another guy that, that supposedly didn't get along with his company is uh, Mark Papermaster, leaves Apple, who fought for him for, with IBM in a multi-million dollar lawsuit about a year ago. But uh, yeah, apparently they let him go. Uh, there's been speculations. He has not been seen as far as he, he I guess he had a hand in the iPhone 4. Uh, we know how that's been going. Uh, but he has not shown up in a lot of the, uh, uh, you know, they do their videos with their engineers talking about how magical it is. He's not one of them. Apparently. Yeah, I believe he was the uh, one of one of if I, I think it was the head hardware designer not the the johnny ives designer says, but more the his, his background is in uh processor design so i think he had more of a hand in the a4 processor that's in there yeah uh, he's in uh processor design as well as antenna design mm -hmm. oh there you go and that's where the speculation goes so really really weird and, and it's another case where people are thinking is this he didn't get along with the culture of the company because we know apple uh, they're kind of called like uh on the inside from all the stories we hear you know just it's bit. not just the stores and and it's starting to scare me at the stores, to be honest. So, uh, yeah. Oh yeah, the, any sort of that's another thing. This uh, term corporate culture, mm -hmm. corporations shouldn't have a culture because whenever <laughs> they do, it's a disgusting culture. T G I Fridays, man. That that shit the, the, with the flair and the songs and the, the shit on the walls, man. Like um, I've boycotted that thing since I ever saw the movie Office Space. If you guys can remember, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Uh, you, you should try uh, Red Robin. Everybody wants to be your friend and let we'll know what movie you're watching that night. Uh, <laughs> uh, that's that's ridiculous. Just give me the food. And yeah, yeah. Me, yeah. Me like, I'm, yeah. I'm a, I'm a, I brought my conversation with me. Thanks. Um, <laughs> yeah. Right, uh, yeah. Real quick, I just want to let everybody know that iPhone users scientifically have twice as much sex as Android users. Um, <laughs> this is an article that is apparently done by OkCupid that broke down a lot of the... Uh, uh, <laughs> the uh, best statistical the analysts best, on the planet I have mean, gotten I together think, to prove this. I think if anybody can analyze relationships and technology, OkCupid has to be it. So there's your ad there. Please pay us. Um, <laughs> and this is also, it's important to note that this is mm -hmm. considering the, uh, I believe it's the average number of sexual partners by age 30. Yes. Uh, there's also other uh, really interesting stuff in there. Uh, some uh, photo attractiveness by camera class. Uh, apparently, the time of day that your picture is taken will 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 have a direct effect on how attractive you are to other people. Did you know yeah. that? As as a camera person, Rob, did you know that? Uh, yeah, I did know that. The, the camera stuff oh. is kind of funny because it's all very true. It's about um, the the color of light can be more or less attractive. You know, uh, mm -hmm. colors elicit different emotions. The flash adds uh, seven years. Uh, yeah, yeah, nice. yeah. It can actually add seven years. Uh, the and there's also rarely, uh, especially on like a like a, just a camera you buy just from the store. Flash rarely looks good. It just oh, sort of yeah. makes you look sweaty and mm -hmm. round. Yeah, <laughs> I, I hate it. When you actually know how to use a flash, it doesn't look like you use the flash. So, um, well, yeah, I mean, and, no, uh, I mean, on the professional level, obviously, I, I've seen. I, I have a couple, no, a couple people who are professional photographers, and like in studio and stuff when they use flash, yeah, it is 
it really clears things out, levels things out. By like I meant more like just when people just buy a dinky, uh, like I don't know, forty dollar camera from a store. You know that yeah yeah that sort of flash is awful. Absolutely, I'm a I'm a freelance professional photographer. I don't know if you knew that. Oh no, I actually I, <laughs> I should have though. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's okay. But, um, I believe there's also something in there about um, having a large aperture mm -hmm. uh, in that article, uh, making you more attractive, and I'm pretty sure shooting with a large ap aperture will make anything more attractive, and was, I do mean anything. In, was it said in a dirty way like that, though? <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 it could be implied that way. Like, it's kind of amazing. It's a neat trick. If you're a photographer, you're familiar with it, and it gets to be like a cliche, but it's mm -hmm. one of those things like how people are... Folks who aren't very familiar with photography are attracted to black and white photography and mm -hmm. thinking it's more artistic just because it's black and white. Same thing happens with a, uh, a large aperture. <laughs> uh, Beth in the chat room says flash makes her look stoned. So there you go. Uh -huh. All right. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, it makes your Beth. eyes like totally red and look glazed over. Yeah, I can, I can, I can see that. <laughs> but no, trust me, like that's, I think that's part of the reason is photography is a major difference because you probably each of you have, I don't know, uh, especially working in, in podcasts, you probably have hundreds of thousands of pictures of yourselves all over the place, right? And uh, a lot of them are good and a lot of them are really bad. Yeah. And that also shows <laughs> that it's the way it was photographed and not necessarily the uh, subject because you guys like don't like get like wear like makeup and special outfits when you're pictured. You're pictured in a real life setting and some are good and some are bad. I, it's I, all the photographer and the uh, machinery. Hate most of my pictures. I, I yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's why I have a light now. You see, I'm trying to to uh, uh, light my scene over here. <laughs> so, um, oh, but one thing, can, can I get into that? The theory of, of the droid versus uh, iPhone users. Sure, real quick. Uh, I, as I think, well, one thing is, uh, first off, <clears throat> uh, money is a factor, and how much does a droid cost? They don't have to rush. Two hundred dollars with the contract here, I think. Okay. And so, so you said 200? Roughly, yeah. 200. All right. Well, the one thing I know is uh, iPhones, because you can't buy them with a contract in Russia, it doesn't work that way. It's a SIM card country, mm -hmm. right? So they're really, really expensive. They're like a month's salary for certain people, right? So the iPhone is almost like a status symbol. And also, if you could buy an iPhone, that means you can buy some time with the ladies, right? But I think the difference is like with Droid, Droid is more for the hardcore. Like, droid seems to be more like, oh, my God, I've got to check up on, on how my buddies are doing with their Warcraft stats. Has he gotten a level 68 yet? You know, that's kind of the more of the audience it seems to be going for, the more kind of serious dork kind. Whereas the iPhone is high tech and powerful, mm -hmm. yet the people who tend to buy it, a lot of them have no idea how to use it or exploit that power. And I think that that it's more of like something that's pretty – it's 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 interesting. It, it attracts, I think, a lot more women Whereas droid is more for people, I think, who are more uh, technologically drawn to it. And usually people who are more sort of drawn to that high tech, really being in connection, uh, spend a lot of time masturbating and not getting with women. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, I think, well, well for here, it, it's, it's kind of more of a choice because it is uh, exclusive uh, to a certain carrier. Uh, so they're mm. trying to push Android as a more consumer device. But amongst the people, like say on this, like on this level, on this kind of show, kind of thing, it seems to be like that. It it really feels like, uh, like you said, iPhones a status symbol. 
versus Android is maybe more the common user just because of its mass availability. Uh, the analogy I've given is, and, and this has been all over too, is it really does feel like iPhone versus Android is much like Mac versus PC of the yeah. last few years. Uh, Android's taking over as far as sheer numbers because there's so many of them, but it's not all the same experience uh, mm-hmm. depending on what phone you get, uh, whereas mm-hmm. it's really clear-cut across the board yeah, you have to deal with less choice to a point, but not because most people are developing it for the iPhone. Uh, so it's a really interesting uh, mix there. Yeah, and here without a contract, I think all these phones are around five to six hundred dollars uh, for comparison's sake. So, so well, no, huh? I don't know. I'm trying. See, I'm trying to think back, and uh, I remember buying uh, a Mac in college. And that didn't help much, Sorg. I have to be honest, it did not help much. <laughs> it's a little bit different now. I think it's, it's the coffee shop computer now here in, in the States, I think. Uh, yeah, um, definitely. It's, it's the star, like you hang out at Starbucks and do your work on the MacBook all day. That's the, it's the hipster thing to do. Yeah, so. but see, the problem is those hipster girls, they, they, they've, 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 they've never dug me, man. I like them, <laughs> but they don't like me. That's the problem. It's one of the, one of those things. Yes. Well, I like the way they look, I should say. I don't really like what's going on. <laughs> so. But see, uh, so now I'm now that I'm married, I don't really have to evaluate women on this very uh, psychological level. It's more it's become more visceral now. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't have to think. You know, I don't know. Could we like be together? Because it doesn't matter now. You're just like, oh, nice butt. That's oh, great. <laughs> Well, I think that's a great point for us to roll to our sponsor, Audible.com. Of course, you can get a free audio book, free uh, 14-day no-risk trial to the service and everything that gets to you, including the iPhone app, the Audible app. I think they have something on BlackBerry, too, now um, for all their service, and they have a lot of free stuff. Uh, you can check that out, audiblepodcast.com slash Media, And we actually have a button over on sorgatronmedia.com and awesomecast.com. Uh, so you can go straight to that without having to f- remember the URL. Uh, go check that out. And, of course, we'd like to put out something uh, for you to check out. Uh, the, if it's in line with you, you can. You don't have to. Check out this free book and see how you like it. See how you like audiobooks versus uh, the reading or whatever you've been doing. Or maybe you haven't been reading. Or maybe this is a way for you to get into it and get some new information like you are with podcasting, obviously. Uh, but, uh, Tim, you, you, had a, you had a pick for this week, so I want to toss it to you. Uh, you know, what have you been reading? Well, yeah, it's a little bit of a controversial uh, pick. So uh, if you're religious, you'll probably not like this book. But it might be good for you to read because it could uh, sort of help you, I don't know, confirm or reject uh, your faith. It's called God is Not Great, How Religion Poisons Everything by Christopher Hitchens. I'm a big Christopher Hitchens fan. Uh, if you guys uh, didn't know, he is a uh, writer at uh, Vanity Fair and a very famous contrarian. And he's also uh, a very brave person who I think is willing to challenge a lot of our accepted notions. So if you want a very in-your-face uh, analysis of the way religion works in terms of like human psychology, history, politics, um, this is a great book. And it's a the, probably the best argument uh, for atheism or secularism that I've ever seen. Excellent, excellent. Again, you know, something a little different perspective for you. Uh, so, uh, God is not great. How religion poisons everything, and it is a little. Yeah, sorry cons- for picking a book that could get you guys in trouble, <laughs> but it's a book that I've actually read, 
and we're not going to be on there. So sorry, we're not going to debate religion on this show. <laughs> I think we all have uh, varying opinions on it, and uh, uh, whatever they may be, to each their own. Uh, <laughs> but yeah. you know, hey, it's always good to get different perspectives on it, no matter where you where you lie in your in your ideas and everything. As far as I'm concerned, well, yeah, I like I said, even if you are like a a person of faith of some kind, uh, mm-hmm. it's a good book because it provides a great counter argument. And mm-hmm. uh, you know, if you feel if you read it and you're like, this counter argument sucks, then you your faith is increased by tenfold. So. Now, I do I do want to make people aware. If you look up, uh, there are like three different versions of this book on there. His his is the one that uh, uh, with the subtitle "How Religion Poisons Everything." It's and the yellow one is the yellow one, and one of the longer unabridged versions. There is a shorter one that's abridged. There's I don't know what this other version. There were different. This is read by the author in every case. So. Uh, so you have different flavors of this if you want to check it out. Uh, and I'm also very jealous of Christopher Hitchens' voice because uh, he has a much lower voice. My my voice is kind of high and gets out of that. But he has a very sort of low and British voice. And how dare you, sir, say that this yeah, is this true. Is, you know, he talks like that and it's very relaxing. So Here's a little sample. She said, so you see, children, how powerful and generous God is. He's made all the trees and grass to be green, which is exactly the color that's most restful to our eyes. Well, Imagine that if sounds instead, soothing whether I agree with him or not. So, yeah. <laughs> so go check so, that out. That could be your pick. God is not great. How religion poisons everything, or mm-hmm. the case against religion, or the uh, the abridged version of the case against religion. If you have a shorter attention span, go check that out. Audiblepodcast.com/slash/sorgatronmedia. All right, let's get right into the reason we have uh, our guest here from Russia. Is uh, I, I've been made aware of his podcast. Of course, I, I love podcasting. I love people doing interesting things. And this is uh, for you, local Pittsburghites. This is uh, I've kind of attributed it the last few days as the Dave Dave and Dave show of uh, of Moscow. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so Tim, tell us what is the SAR podcast and, uh, and how did you come about, uh, uh, with the concept? Uh, okay. Uh, it's our podcast, T-S-A-R podcast, mm-hmm. uh, is, uh, basically, uh, it's uh, English language and, uh, I, uh, try to show people Russia, show especially my side of Russia, right? Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> Uh, well, one thing happened is uh, I have a good friend uh, who's a pretty famous radio DJ, right? And uh, he uh, d- did a podcast that actually had a good sponsor. It paid a decent amount of money. There's only like there were only like four people in Russia doing that. He did it with his one friend, and unfortunately, the crisis happened and their sponsor pulled out. So he was like, "Man, and you know, my buddy, my partner on the sec, it was a sex podcast, all about sex and all this stuff. I went on there when I like two years ago and spoke in like broken uh, Russian, all about my sex life and stuff." It's quite uh, humiliating and hilarious. But so anyways, he's like, man, we got to do something. I, uh, my partner, he doesn't want to do a new project. So uh, he's like, come up with something. Let's just do it, man. But let's do it video. So I was like, okay. And, uh, you know, I thought about uh, doing something maybe more uh, touristic, you know, because people ask me a lot of questions about Russia, what's going on. Da, da, da. And, uh, you know, I thought I'd try to show sort of um, my side of things. And we thought that that tour- sort of tourism might be, uh, uh, something that people would be interested in, you know, seeing. And um, we get a decent amount of hits. Not great. Uh, not as good as the one where guys get hit in the balls. Those 30-second <laughs> videos seem to do much better. But, uh, yeah, we still do good. And also, since I'm an immigrant here, I want to do something good for the country. And uh, Russia gets hit by a lot of propaganda mm-hmm. from a lot of media uh, news sources. And I just wanted to show people, like, that, look, this is a normal place like everywhere else. Uh, I think people have very good lives in Russia. Uh, I think it's a good place to be. It's a good place for me. It's certainly not a good place for everyone. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just want to show this other side of Russia that 
this isn't some sort of Stalinistic 1930s, I don't know, hell that a lot of uh, the media tends to portray it as. It's a good place. It's a nice place. It's a normal place. Awesome. It's a so. little background. And, and uh, you know, uh, of course, uh, Tim is somebody I went to school with here, right here in Pittsburgh, Art Institute of Pittsburgh. Uh, and we've kind of reconnected out of, you know, uh, over the years, stayed connected here and there. Uh, I, I remember when you popped up on, on some sort of Russian dating show that I got past one time. Oh, yeah. The dating show. Oh, dude, that's awesome. Like every day, now that's old, it's like every other day I get to hear some uh, woman from Siberia, uh, gets to write an e me an email like, you cheap bastard. You cheap bastard. How can you be da da da? You know, it's, it's awesome. I, I love it. So how I am you, cheap though. It's true. How, how did you end up, uh, from here in Pittsburgh, uh, all, all the way to Moscow? Oh, well, the thing is, uh, basically, uh, I, I, I kind of wasn't really satisfied with, uh, a lot of my life in the United States. Like I grew up in the hood in Cleveland, right? And so, uh, every day I kind of got to which, hear, uh, like, kind of, uh, basically kind of, you're fucking your piece of and you, you know you hear that after a while and uh, you sort of are getting this position where you have uh two choices you can either sort of accept it yeah i'm a, fag, I'm a piece of shit i'm gonna play world of warcraft for 12 hours a day or you can uh reject it and i was like man i i i, I can't I, i'm not gonna be this man i'm not just gonna be this this scumbag and i gotta i gotta do something different i gotta get the get the hell out of here you know try something else you know and the other thing is in the ghetto you know when i was younger i, I wanted to be mr hip-hop uh, you know i basically since everyone was was black i wanted to be all cool and try to be black but i'm white and uh they'd never accept me for that and on the uh, opposite side of things uh you know uh growing up with all black people i sort of see their perception of white america and how stale and that tgi fridays corporate culture mentality trust me black people could not invent that and so it sort of almost made me racist in a way against that picket white picket fence uh, uh america mm. and so i was like man all right now i'm a bit too black to be white and i'm a bit i'm certainly too white to be black so i was like man what am i going to do here and i was like oh my ethnicity and so then I kind of got obsessed with my own ethnicity and like going back to Eastern Europe when I was in high school. I went to Poland. I have family there. I visited my family. And I was like, man, number one, chicks here actually might have sex with me. So I was like, yes. <laughs> and then like the, the number two, I was like, man, just it's this different life. It's this different way of thinking. And I was like obsessed with that. Like, man, there is something besides the ghetto out there. And I, I got to get into this. So then uh, after college, I did Peace Corps in Kazakhstan. Uh, Kazakhstan is almost mm -hmm. like a mini Russia. Uh, but with most people being Asian in it, Kazakhstan, uh, despite the Borat movie, is an awesome, fun <laughs> place. But it's a very wild place to be, man. Talk talk about no rules, absolutely no rules. But uh, I did two years of Peace Corps service, and I really liked uh, the former Soviet Union. I liked being in it. Uh, and uh, then um, went back to America. Didn't really enjoy m my life there again. I was kind of like, eh, you know. And so I, I went to Moscow to uh, look for work, and things worked out. And uh, now I'm heavily involved in the Russian video game industry, uh, which might be interesting to some of your viewers who I, I bet, uh, and listeners who I bet, uh, like some video games like we do. Excellent. Excellent. Mm -hmm. um, so, uh, you know, I guess, I, so is this, is this is sort of like a, a, a message back home uh, to, to check out Moscow. I, what's the feedback been like for it? Uh, good. You know, you know what the kind of the funny thing is, is, um, I really thought that, uh, our audience would be primarily, especially Western Europe, even more so than the United States. Um, cause a lot of Western Europeans get excited about Ru Russia, especially like Germans and stuff. But, you know, they all speak, uh, 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 English as a second language because it's mandatory in schools. So that's one of the reasons in our podcast overall, 
uh, I uh, I sort of have this. I'm kind of using my Tsar podcast podcast speaking voice now, where things are more clear. I try to you know keep things concise, right? Mm -hmm. But in reality, the overwhelming audience is from Russian speaking countries. That's the interesting thing. One thing I, w I didn't expect is that apparently Russians sit around and search through YouTube looking for English-speaking people talk about their country. Uh, maybe maybe it's like paranoia or something, but um, Russians definitely have an inferiority complex, I think, uh, towards the West. And so I think a lot of people for Russians, it's almost like, uh, I don't know, like soothing to, to hear someone from the West actually say something nice about the country and so yeah uh, at one point 80 percent of our hits were from the former soviet union uh now that's become a bit more diverse but it's still 60 percent of our hits are from oh, the former wow. soviet union however now we're on itunes um you can just search the word sar podcast in itunes if you want to download it and over itunes i really can't do any tracking of where the stuff goes so i have no idea but we're doing pretty decent on itunes actually shockingly i, I didn't really think many people would find it through random searching but they have about about a thousand actually, about a thousand. Um, now I think uh, if you've done uh, roughly ten episodes, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, over the last few we're months, we're at eight now. We we want to make a. We're gonna have like a tenth episode sort of jubilee that mm -hmm. we want to do. So, but yeah, we're we're about at that because uh, uh, it's a video podcast. It is very uh, uh, work heavy, and we try to film at sort of interesting locations. Mm -hmm. Like uh, we filmed probably the most interesting one was we filmed in Stalin's secret bunker. Which is a, a bunker that uh, got sort of, um, I don't know, declassified, and we went down there and took a look at it. And it's right in the center of the city. Too. That's actually uh, my, one of my favorite episodes uh, of the series huh. so far. Um, Thank you. I think, I think, it, I think it was, it's definitely the most unique, mm -hmm. and I'm glad we were able to get the permissions to, to get it done. I think it's the first, huh. the first one I watched actually. Uh, that in the beer fest was interesting when you're, when you're talking about the seaweed beer. Uh, what, what's kind of your favorite, your favorite episode, your favorite thing to visit? Uh, out of the oh, series. my favorite episode. That's a good question. Um, let's see. Da, da, da. <sighs> yeah, I actually have to say it was the uh, the the beer one mm -hmm. was probably the best because I expect I'm a very pessimistic person and I expected not much, but luckily, you know, we met a lot of people and especially that guy, if you remember from the video, who's the representative of some uh, like uh, uh, local, uh, you know. Micro brews. He like represented different companies that do that. Uh, once we sort of got talking to him, boy, was that fun. That was, that was fun. I, you know, and when I'm doing that, I'm, th I'm always thinking like, especially during that episode, I was like, man, I got to do this as, as a, as a career because I, I had a great time and it was, a, it, it really showed the spirit of Russia in that mm -hmm. episode behind the scenes because Russia is a country where you can just go up to any person and just talk to them and no, and no one cares. Uh, well, Russians are very sociable. Uh, it's really easy to to get to know people, and uh, especially when they're drunk. Mm -hmm. When people are drunk, everybody wants to be everybody's friend. And uh, I think that episode really showed the positive side of Russia's uh, love of alcohol. So that's probably it. So, so. so nobody's nobody's uh, uh, concerned with the camera or anything. I know that's sometimes a problem if you go filming out in public here. Uh, um, well, you know, the, the one thing is uh, the first two episodes, we were actually kind of worried about that. Mm-hmm. But we wanted to do like two sort of like test episodes to uh, uh, to, to to get things sort of going, and mm -hmm. so we filmed without any permissions, <laughs> and uh, yeah. But they were in public places, so we we you know we were able to to do it. 
Um, then after that, we partnered up with uh, two websites. One is MoscowWalks.ru, and it's also MoscowWalks.com. And uh, if any of you are interested in visiting Russia, uh, they can provide all sorts of tours and interesting things for you to do. Uh, the other one is called MoskvaKatorinet, uh, which is a historical website, but it's only in Russian, so it's kind of futile. Uh, but after that, we hooked up with them, and they were the ones who were able to help us with most of our podcasts, uh, organizing it to get the permissions to do all this stuff. So they're, like at the Beer Fest, we ac actually had press passes, so no one could, could touch us. We could do whatever we wanted. That was the other thing. It was great to film outdoors with this pass, and you could just, you know. But then again, no one even asked for the pass at any point, so I guess it was maybe useless. So, Still a badge of honor there. So, yeah, well, if you feel good, it's like, yeah, we're the real press, especially when you're drunk. You know, when you're drunk, you've got this, like, shiny piece of paper. They're like, hey, cops, <laughs> look at this. I can do what I want. Woo! You know, you're sort of in that zone. So what what is the, like, of course, you know, we talk a lot about, like, you know, we have PodCamp, we have a social media scene, podcast, bloggers, and everything here, you know, here in Pittsburgh and, and, and you know, all over. Uh, what's... What's been kind of the reaction, and, and, and have people really gotten into the podcasting? Are, are people producing a lot of content on their own uh, in your country? Oh yeah, yeah. Um, there's especially this one site that was uh, started um, by a guy named Vasily Strelnikov, who was like one of the first MTV VJs in Russia. He started a website called Russian Podcasting, or RPod for short, mm -hmm. .ru, and uh, there are thousands and thousands of people on there. It might even be sort of like, um, uh, what's that, uh, Podcast podcast Alley? Okay. You know, like an equivalent to that, but in, Rus but in Russia, and much more attractive website. Podcast Alley is a hideous website. Oh, yeah. Um, although I respect what they do, but they got to make it look nicer. But anyways... Uh, he started up this uh, Russian podcasting site, and like I said to my friend, Pavel, who does the videos with me, that's our podcast, uh, he was one of the first heroes of that. And so, yeah, there are thousands of people, and uh, podcasting and uh, self-created media is very popular, very, very popular in Russia. Are people, so. uh, are, are, are kind of uh, uh, stars being born out of this, or is it just kind of 15 minutes of fame stuff, or, or, or uh, there's a lot? Um, well, you have to, the one thing that, that, that is kind of frustrating is um, in Russia, uh, there's a different pay scale, mm -hmm. like uh, in the way, the way things work. Like, I know a guy who, uh, lovely guy, we actually filmed a uh, movie together, a rather low-budget documentary movie that unfortunately hasn't been released yet. Oh, God, I just wanted to release it. It's been like a year and a half of waiting, but he's a busy guy, uh, and his name is Vladimir Kisarov, and uh, we and him, you know, we filmed this movie together, but anyways, he essentially works on the Russian equivalent of Saturday Night Live, and you think Saturday Night Live, even the bum people, like the Chris Catans, who were sort of just kind of there in the background, I think they still made like a million bucks a year. And the thing is, he he doesn't make much money. I think he makes a little bit more than than, than I do, and he's and he's on like big TV on a big show, mm -hmm. you know. So celebrity doesn't really pay very well in Russia. Excellent. So. Uh, is anything else cool uh, out of uh, Russia and podcasting you want to put out there that, that you think we should know about here in the states? Should people? Should, oh, that's a good question. Out in the states, uh, the problem is is a uh, like Russia almost has these two faces. I think in America there kind of isn't. Like everything that's also that's American is also international. I think like there's no like America tube. Well, maybe there's also there's conservapedia like the conservative Wikipedia that's more at home. 
but like overall YouTube, it's America, but it's also the world. Um, anything Google is kind of like America, but also the world. Whereas in Russia, they have something called Runet, which is all like the Russian speaking website world, which is all like, it's almost like its own unique, uh, sort of internet. And then, but the thing is, is the purpose of that is also so that everything can be in Russian. So it's kind of hard to, to access without, uh, speaking the language, but there are things like the um, uh, news channel Russia Today has a ton of videos. That's in English. Uh, I'm trying to think something else in English. Uh, see, there's not there's not a ton. Uh, there's this one love, uh, pretty good uh, website. I'm starting to get to know these guys called TV Jam, uh, which is an independent uh, media channel. In fact, there are two that are worth mentioning. There's TV Jam, and there's one that's just called Russia.ru, and they're like real good uh, internet TV channels and they're like good like the production values are just as high as maybe MTV but it's on the internet and it's free and you get to choose what you watch and that is awesome they're both really enjoyable however I don't think they have much if any uh, English content so awesome uh, but, but my favorite Russian TV show is actually on that Russia dot RU uh, and uh, another kind of favorite of mine uh, called uh, Halavar is on that TV jam. It's pretty good. It's more like a, it's like an interview show. If you isolate one person and destroy them with questions, which would be a fun thing, which would be a fun idea to steal. Awesome. So, so uh, well, hey, your time to put out there. What, what's, uh, what should people check out? Where's, where's the best spot for them to check out the, the Sarcast? Oh, well, uh, sir, uh, let me uh, type, type it in for you here. Um, the main uh, places are on YouTube. You can type in Star Podcast, T-S-A-R, and then Podcast. It will come up. We also have a uh, live journal site there. And the live journal site has a little bit of extras. Like, uh, if any of you really start enjoying our videos, uh, there's all sorts of, like, uh, excerpts. Like, recently, uh, one guy who was inspired by our videos, he caught the Russian fever. He came to visit, and he wrote this uh, lovely uh, kind of, like, two-page article about his experiences in Russia uh, and so we posted them up there. We have some sort of behind-the-scenes photos of our shoots and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah. And let me um, get open my uh, uh, our site here, just so I can tell you guys some of the the themes we've done. Maybe to because uh, uh, I actually forget. I have the worst memory on earth. But yeah. But like, so if you guys want, we've done. Uh, uh, if you like cooking, I sh uh, did a Russian barbecue episode where I told people about how to cook. We went to a train museum. Oh, the vodka museum. That was good. The museum yeah. of vodka. Well, As you okay. can imagine, was, we definitely got tipsy. There was the, uh, wasn't there like a hundred year old, uh, unopened bottle of vodka in there? Actually, it was, I think it was over 200. Over I'm pretty 200. sure it was from like the wow. late seven. It was about as old as America is. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it was, it was unopened. So that's one of their sort of cherished treasures. So yeah. Yeah. It was good stuff, and it was amazing, too, like uh, all the different brands are like uh, – it may be sort of uh, on the outside, but the one bottle that was like in the name of that one politician, I was just like, yes, because that's so awesome to, that like some of these politicians have their own vodkas and stuff. So Awesome. Yeah. So, so uh, in the future, well, our next episode, I'm releasing it here. You guys are going to hear it first before anyone else. It should be at the Museum of Soviet – video games oh, there were ooh. communist video games and we're going to go take a look at those but that's going to be in like two weeks so everyone has to wait unfortunately <laughs> tetris was a soviet game wasn't it yes it soviet so. video games yeah. they had they actually made uh they actually made arcade mu machines in the soviet union mm -hmm. 
and we're going to go check out those uh, stand-up arcade machines. Uh, I think uh, I don't know if you heard Rob was saying Tetris was a Russian game, right? Oh, Tetris, yeah, Tetris was. And you know, the guy who made it, he got screwed. He got nothing. Yeah, yeah. I think there was a, uh, I've seen news here and there about the, the giant legal battles over the rights over Tetris. I mean, it's been passed around everybody over the years. So. Well, yeah, because, uh, I, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think actually Nintendo, like, even sued, uh, that, uh, 10 Gen, if you remember those mm -hmm. black NES cartridges. Mm hmm. That tension over that, even though neither of them invented it, they got into a lawsuit over that. I'm pretty sure because mm -hmm. there were like, uh, different versions of Tetris. I think uh, this is a little bit of a tangent. I, I read up on the on this like like years ago uh, on the history piece, and uh, it was uh, something like one of them bought it from somebody that claimed to be holding the rights. Somebody bought it because I think at the time, because of the Soviet Union, somehow mm -hmm. the rights belonged to the government, and somebody yeah. bought it via that. And there, that's where things clashed, and they had to figure it out. Oh well, yeah, because like with 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 like uh, uh, communism, one of their pr the principles of it was the uh, abolishment of most uh, personal property. Mm -hmm. So any intellectual property belongs to everyone in in uh, in the Soviet Union. So that's why like any movie from the Soviet Union or image can't be copyrighted mm -hmm. because it technically belongs to everyone still, actually. Because uh, like uh, some of the people who invented some of the uh, more famous cartoon characters, like the equivalent of uh, Ru you know Russia's Mickey Mouse called Chiburashka, who is like this sort of uh, kind of bear-like creature, uh, who's very cute. He's become popular in Japan, and the guy who made him has tried to like copyright it and make some money off it. I don't know if he did, but it's very hard because when he created it, that's the way the laws were. Wow. So that's a, that's a whole other episode right there. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, about copyright laws and this, that, and the other. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, but I've seen that the cartoons in Japan they're not bad. They're just shockingly short. They're like all two minutes long, which so I don't know. They're sort of like uh, shorts. But uh, that little character was uh, very popular in Japan. Uh, he was also stolen by the Swedes. So like the Swedes went to, like some Swedish guy went to the Soviet Union. He's like this is the best character ever, and so they basically redid the show in Sweden, but with different names and, and different plots, but with the same characters, which is kind of interesting. Wow. Awesome. Well, hey, thanks for coming on. Uh, you guys can check sure. out sure uh, tsarsarpodcast.livejournal.com. Uh, we'll have a link all of that stuff. We have a lot of the stuff that he's mentioned. Uh, a lot of the website we put in the show notes over at delicious.com/slash/awesomecast. Uh, so you can kind of follow along, go back and check a lot of that stuff out. A lot of really cool stuff uh, that Tim brought out there. Hey, thanks for coming on. Thanks for getting up so damn early. I think we watched. Oh this. no, no problem. I just hope I didn't talk over you guys too much. No, Sorry, no I, problem, sometimes no I get problem. a little aggressive in my conversations. I'm like, I need to get my point in. <laughs> I, I think Sorry. we might just have a slight bit of lag that might have been doing it, but but from this distance, I mean, that's still fantastic as far as I'm concerned. And I think we've watched the sun rise behind you as it's, oh, set, yeah. uh, uh, it's <laughs> been long set over here in the States, uh, <laughs> which is pretty cool in itself. So, uh, hey, thanks a lot. You know, anything coming up, let us know. We'll be, we'll be sure to push it along here. And I'm really excited to see what's, what else is coming out of Russia. Well, yeah, thanks for giving me some exposure, guys. And uh, I want everyone to, uh, yeah. Check, come on, check out check out our podcast. Might be interesting for you. Uh, you know, Russia's a very mysterious place, and uh, I think it can be a very interesting topic. So uh, mm -hmm. come and uh, check out our videos, and uh, I think you'll enjoy what what you see. And of course, please feel free to leave comments, or if you see anything in the videos, we're like, what the hell is that? Feel free to answer to ask questions because uh, I love to answer them. I say, watch out for the random bear as well. Oh yes, watch out. So, <laughs> hey Rob, what's it? Uh, what are you working on lately? Uh, for people to check out. 
Uh, what am I working on for people to check out? Um, not much on the internet besides, uh, PodCamp. If you happen to be in Pittsburgh on Friday night and you see a really obnoxious bike ride by that should be <laughs> quite, just quite blinding as the sun, that would probably be me. I have a, a bank of gigantic batteries on my dining room table right now charging up. Um, wait, 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 what is this? What are you trying <laughs> to do there? <laughs> this is the uh, the light show bike ride I've been mentioning periodically. <laughs> this is, in fact, Bike Fest week here in Pittsburgh. Um, so my usual Friday flock at night ride, which happens at 1030 at night, we will be having a light show edition in which everyone has been challenged to light up their bike as much as possible. So I have uh, cold cathodes, LED strips, LED, um, no, or EL strips. No sparklers, uh, uh, right? What's that? No sparklers, right? No sparklers, that's, that's, uh, or sparkler bombs for that matter. For those that don't know, uh, on, on the 4th of July, uh, Rob was, uh, involved in an experiment. Oh, but this, you did the year before too, mm-hmm. didn't you? I, I've, I've done it a few times and it's always a, a blast, literally and figuratively. How many sparklers were taped together? Um, 267. Oh man, that's awesome. Wow. I I think that's what it was because next year I would have to double it and do 600 and I'm a little nervous about that. Yeah, considering I think we need a bigger backyard to do that in. Uh, yeah, I think there was a mushroom cloud. Um, yeah, there was. Oh yeah. Yeah. And a heat wave. And I may have flattened some grass. (laughs) Sorry. Sorry. If you guys like that, you should check out, there's this one video where this guy, he like, lines up like i don't know 1500 bottle rockets in this yeah, one box and shoots them all that's yeah. also intense but <laughs> i can i can just imagine the sparkler that many sparklers Did, didn't they just all sort of melt instantly the yeah it, it all ignites because of the magnesium in the sparklers it all reaches a, a super high temperature and ignites all at the same time if you actually pack them together super super tight you can cause an explosion <laughs> really yeah, wow. if you look up Sparkler Bomb on YouTube, you'll find people who have like put them in the trunks of cars, and there's one video where they put it in the trunk of a car, and it actually completely blows in the, the back seat, blows down the, the panel on the bottom of the trunk, and creates this giant bubble in the lid of the trunk. Oh, wow. Uh, but you, you know, Rob, maybe you need to delete that, because now the terrorists know how to strike. Oh, Thanks. oh no. Thanks a lot. <laughs> so... And there's our international incident. <laughs> there you go. Um, but yeah, so if you see a really annoying bike, that's me. Um, other than that, I'm painting and uh, potty training a kitten. So my <laughs> life practice. is super exciting. And if you want to hear about it on the internet, robjdlc.com, on the Twitters, at robjdlc. Fantastic. And of course, as usual, I am at sorgatron.com, at sorgatron on uh, Twitter. And uh, SorgatronMedia.com is where you can find all this stuff. We will be returning to our 7 p.m. Eastern time for you live chatters. Thank you. I saw a couple of men there. Uh, Beth, uh, Will, if I got that name right, uh, Juggalo John, and hey, Rob, you're in there too. Uh, so, you know, go join that, uh, SorgatronMedia.com, uh, 7 p.m. Eastern. We do all the recordings for Sorgatron Media that night uh, currently. Um uh, also, uh, we've added a lot of stuff there. All the Twitters is uh, added to us. Uh, so is added? 
What? It's way too late to be doing this. I still have to edit. Um, <laughs> but hey, if you like to talk in funny ways, call 41225ACAST, 412-252-2278. That's our new awesome cast hotline. You can uh, ask questions, give comments, whatever, and you could uh, be on the... Uh, be on the awesome cast yourself in voice fashion uh and of course check us out awesomecast.com at awesomecast on twitter contact at awesomecast.com if you want to contact us the old texty way and uh that's all i got that's really all i got uh because i'm too tired and my brain's fried anymore and i and i have to end the show right i'm now sorry for keeping you guys up so late <laughs> hey, hey, hey thanks for getting up so early uh thanks tim thanks rob as always and uh it's been the awesome cast the podcast for the flyover states we'll see you next week <laughs>